Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you, filling in for Sean Carey once again as we wrap up, begin to wrap up the week and get ready for the holiday weekend coming up. And Steve Jones will join us soon here from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors is brought is our sponsor for today. Sunbury Motors, Sports Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. A jam-packed show here today. As Penn State will continue to talk reaction from a big day for them yesterday for the Penn State football team in what was a big day, getting some top key guys in the early signing day yesterday. We'll have Ryan Snyder from Blue White Illustrated at 335. Dave Pash from ESPN at 406. He's going to be calling the Fiesta Bowl as Penn State takes on Washington. So we'll hear from him at 406. And then at 435, we'll have our weekly football picks. They're going to be today instead of tomorrow, just a day earlier. So We'll hear from Kevin Jones as usual. And he had, he's had a good couple of weeks, so we'll definitely be very interested in seeing that. And, yes, I'll be filling in for Sean to do that and jumping in on the picks. We'll also have Sean's picks, so Sean won't be um, – he, he, he won't be completely out of the picture here. So big show today. Ryan Snyder, 335, day pass at 406, and our football picks at 435. You can follow the Steve Jones Show on Twitter at Steve Jones PSU. We're at Steve Jones Show on Facebook and, of course, all the podcasts – at stevejonesshow.com. You can also find the Steve Show Steve Jones Show podcast on Google Play and iTunes as well. We had a lot of great guests yesterday. We had Andrew Callahan from Lions 24-7 Sports and talking about early signing day yesterday, Greg Pickle as well from penlive.com. And we also got a portion of James Franklin's press conference to the media after some of the early signing day signings. So you can check all that out from yesterday's show at stevejonesshow.com. And what a day for Penn State yesterday. As you yeah. heard in, in, in the piece there, two out of the top ten players signed, including one of Central Pennsylvania, Micah Parsons. And Steve yeah. joining us now in the Sunbury Motor Studio. What's going on, Steve? A big show today. Yeah, big show today. Ryan Snyder from Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated in the next half hour. Dave Pash will be calling the uh, the Fiesta Bowl for ESPN with Greg McElroy and Tom Luganbill. Uh, he will have... Uh, You'll have the broadcast of that. We'll talk to him today. And then my brother with picks and you as the wild card That's shark. Right. <laughs> I understand that you are a killer when it comes to making picks. I, I had a good year last year. Not as great this year, but I, I'm still doing pretty good. So we'll, we'll see how it goes this week. Well, my brother went 5-0 and oh last week. Yes, five, and I, Kevin actually, uh, I was Sean rather, gave me the numbers, and I believe Kevin is... Yeah, it's Kevin's ten and one in the last two weeks. Five and zero last week. Just, I mean, suddenly the pressure was put on him, 
and he hit the accelerator and just blowing <laughs> us away. I know he's been lethal the last two weeks, and he's in first place right now in the standings after 15 weeks. I mean, I was in first place two weeks ago. Fame right. was fleeting. <laughs> Fame was fleeting, I can tell you that. As soon as he... He's like, all right, I got to go back to being serious again. That's right. Once he once he started being serious again, he took us apart. <laughs> a right, sibling rivalry never uh, ends. I say, I have to say, <laughs> no, it does not. Uh, now I got to tell you, the last couple of nights, I've you know I finished up the game with Binghamton, and I said, all right. I'll go home, whatever's left of the Boca Raton Bowl I'm going to watch, because I like to at least, you know, let's watch a bowl game here. Just because I just wanted to relax. I mean, I think as people know, I've, you know, for example, take the weekend. You know, I travel on Saturday after my son Christopher graduated from uh, Lock Haven University and then um, did the game on Sat- Sunday, which was at 4, and didn't get out of there till 6.30, quarter of 7, and I drove back. So I never, I never saw the Patriots... Steelers game, for example. I did get to see the middle of the third quarter to the end of the Raiders game with the Cowboys. So I wanted to kick back a little bit, watch some football. Of course. Need some time off here and there. Right. So I get home from the game, and I tune the game in, and it's 43-3, to Florida Atlantic. I'm like, ah. Now, Bob Rondo, who's the play-by-play voice for uh, um, uh, play-by-play voice for Washington, called me. So Bob and I talked for maybe 45 minutes, almost an hour or so. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to watch that. So last night, I finished up my prep for the Ryder basketball game. I've got the, I've got the Fiesta Bowl completely done. You know, I mean, I'm, I'll take some time to watch maybe a little more tape. Um, and the um, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to watch the Frisco Bowl, Louisiana Tech, SMU. All right, that game is an absolute blowout. It's twenty-eight to three. I'm sitting there going, give me somebody out there, give me a game. I know. I'm not getting any games. Nothing worth watching yet. And it's Come part on. of the reason that they got to kill some of these bowl games. I mean, and you mentioned the Florida Atlantic game. Yeah, Lane Kiffin, as you talked about yesterday, Steve, still going for two, and it's forty-seven to three. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, what are you doing? What's what's he going for two for? It's I just, know. What because some guy on Twitter made him mad? Okay, hey, two words. Okay, you're at Florida Atlantic because you have not had the ability yet to grow up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then of course he ha- he had that. Uh, press conference, of course, afterwards with his son, and he had that weird exchange with the reporter about talking about what is cover one. It was the stupidest thing ever. I'm like, what are you doing? Right, I know. it's, <laughs> I, But uh, there's nothing intriguing yet. I, I mean, I sat back to relax last night, and I'm like, okay, I can't. we can't do this. All right. And so. uh, Honestly, Steve, I, I don't watch much of these bowl games either until we get closer and closer to the, the New Year's Day, of yeah. course, when the big bowls are. The only time I watch these bowl games is if I'm watching an NFL prospect tape later on when we get closer to the draft. <laughs> right. That's no, it. I, under- I understand that, but you know what? I just, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm saying to myself, you know, I don't mind watching it. I, I like football, so I like, you know, I'm, so. Now, it turned out I had a great bailout. I had Wofford, North Carolina last night. Of course, and that was tremendous. All right, and Watford won at the Dean Dome, seventy nine seventy five. 
Okay? So that was a great bailout. But I don't mind watching any bowl game. I don't care what it is. You know, if, if the game is competitive, I want to watch it. Okay? All I'm begging for is give me something competitive. Exactly. Then I may even tune in now, too. Exactly. That's all want, we want. I want something competitive. Somebody, please. Well, hopefully we'll get that soon. Oh, just... No. I just... I'm losing hope. <laughs> well, at least you know you should be calling a competitive football game yourself, and we'll be talking about no, that, of I'm course, fine. later on right. with Dave Pash. Yeah, we'll do that with Dave Pash at 4.06. Ryan Snyder will be at 3.35 today. If you miss anything, as Matt mentioned when uh, right before I uh, popped on the, the uh, show here, it was about the podcast, and you can check out the Steve Jones Show podcast. Next week on the show, Neil Kulong is going to join us on Tuesday talk about the Steelers. Uh, we are going to have uh, Lou Prado, Dick Girardi, and then Todd Sadowski and Trey Power all on the Thursday show next week. The Friday show next week is going to include Jack Ham. Bob Rondo, Damon Heward, and Derek Williams, the announcers. Keeping the, the guests rolling. I love it. So that's what we'll have on Thursday and Friday next week. I'm not quite sure what we're having on Wednesday yet. Um, that's the one I'm not quite sure about. But that's fine. We'll, 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 we'll invent something. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we'll have Kevin preview Shikolami basketball every game. <laughs> By the way, I get a text from the suit this morning. Six oh and, and all it said was six and two. Now, obviously, there have been eight. Bowl, I didn't even realize there have been eight bowl games played so far because I haven't had a chance to watch any. I, mean, I didn't watch any Saturday because I was traveling. I didn't watch anything. You know, I had another game myself on Tuesday night. So evidently, he's off to a terrific start at six and two, and is a juggernaut that cannot be stopped. You know, and then I then I got a text from Roger saying if his sales were only so good. All right, so we'll come oh. back with more in a moment. <laughs> more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Show sounds a lot more impressive when you get a Merrill Resun. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I actually had a special moment a little bit with uh, Merrill Reese. When I was in high school, I had just gotten my Eagle Scout Award, and I tried, of course, Merrill Reese is my favorite, one of my favorite broadcasters, so I sent him a yeah. note trying to see if he can come speak in my Eagle Scout ceremony. So, obviously, that wasn't going to happen, and a lot of money towards that that I didn't have. So, he sent me a 30-second <laughs> clip of congratulations, you know, best wishes. You know, I'm honored that, you know, I was part of your, uh, your journey, things like that. So, that was really cool. I still have that saved on my computer, so... Merrill's a great that guy. That is re- now Merrill's very special, very very special. Uh, I got the Life Scout. So Eagle Scout, what was your project, and uh, what was it like when the moment came that you achieved it? Well, the project I, I originally wanted to do a uh, a concert to benefit uh, an organization called the Shepherd's Maternity House, which is like Pinnacle Place here in Sunbury. It helps unwed mm-hmm. uh, young pregnant mothers who really don't have a place to go and things like that. Um, but instead, I had to do a 30-by-40-foot garden, and I had no landscaping experience whatsoever. Neither did my parents, so I'm basically doing this out of left field and somehow pulled it off, and uh, getting the award was pretty incredible and having all my family friends there and, and put, in, put in the um, 
putting the award on, putting the patch on, and and the, the handkerchief and everything. It, it felt really good. It's it's a it's one I'll never forget for sure. How how many years were you in Scouts to get there? I was from uh, Tiger Scout all the way through. I crossed into Boy Scouts when I was in sixth grade, and obviously got Eagle Scout my senior year. So it was a it's a good six years. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Good Thank for you. you. Uh, I made it to Life Scout. And uh, I was like, looking around. I said, "Okay, we're done. <laughs> I, need, I need how many more to get there? Okay, I'm finished." Uh, but you know what? I loved it. It was also something. Uh, for example, uh, my father was—he uh, was not a scoutmaster, uh, but my father uh, was at least involved in some stuff that was going on with it, and it just made it more special. My brother was in it. And I always had a good time. With my brother, of course, my brother, my brother and I always did. Yeah. You know, May not have done everything together, but we did a lot of stuff together. For now, did your brother make Eagle too, or did he did uh, he, he didn't go no, that far? No. He didn't go that far. Now <laughs> I got the I got the life. Okay, so you, so you beat I him in that regard. Say, I'm trying to think if he got past first class. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is the third level? Correct. Yeah. Ten, tenderfoot, second class, first class, star. Yep, star, life, life. and eagle. Yep. Yeah, and and then if you want to be really ambitious, you have your eagle palms that you can get afterwards. I think it's like bronze, silver, then gold, something like that, if I remember correctly. I mm-hmm. didn't do that. I stopped after eagle. <laughs> and I think the next step after that's president. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Did I get it wrong? I don't know. Okay. Great to have you with us on the show today. Uh We'll talk recruiting next half hour. As as Matt mentioned in the open, how Penn State really checked every available box yesterday, and they're not done yet. I mean, James Franklin made another offer last night, and they're not done yet. It's amazing to think about. The only area of recruiting that is not talked about enough that deserves a solid conversation somewhere behind closed doors. When we talk about recruiting, we always talk about, oh, okay, the high school student athlete, uh, about all the phone calls and the text messages and the social media they receive and the constant barrage that they have to go through and what a relief it is when it's done. That I completely understand and absolutely should be talked about. The part that's never talked about, though, is in the recruiting cycle, you got. You, they need to build in some time where there's no contact at all. Not because of the student athlete. They need to build in some time for the coaches. One thing that Jim Harbaugh did, and I found to be aggravating when it came to the satellite camps. And this is why I was not enamored with the with his. Uh, satellite camp methods is that he went to every satellite camp on the face of the earth and if you weren't going essentially he was accusing you of being lazy right well here's the here's here's the deal even coaches have to have a life right even coaches have to have a life even coaches have to have the ability for a couple of weeks to go home from work and put their feet up and be with their family. Even coaches have to have time to say, okay, let's go on a two-week vacation. They need a little more time to do that where they just can't be, I'm going to go to the office at 4 a.m., I'm going to be done at midnight. Really? 
There's got to be some sense of normalcy somewhere in the calendar for them. That's not talked about often enough. Oh, and by the way, if you have any normalcy in your calendar in coaching, you're accused of being lazy. You're accused of not working hard enough. I'll give you I'll give you an example. Steve Spurrier, right? Head ball coach, awesome coach, right? Steve Spurrier is a great, great coach. Of course. Right? But he built in time with his staff. I mean, Spurrier loves golf. But he built in golf times with his staff. They're like, oh, can you believe he does that? I can. Guess what? I bet they're more productive. Because they had a little bit of time, a little bit of downtime. And, of course, they they build camaraderie, too. You never know. A lot of good things can come from that. Exactly. And it's just... I'm not saying you know, you've know you got to give all this time off left and right, but I'm saying there has to be some parts put in, because the recruiting calendar got moved around this year with this early signing period, and it's taken away some of that dead time, and that's something that needs to be considered. Now, here's the problem. The problem is always going to be you're going to have some clown in there that's, oh, it's a dead period, but still figures out a way to keep recruiting. Uh, and you and I both know that. Of so course. I just, yeah, I just get concerned about in a profession that's already tough enough on wives and tough enough on children, that don't keep taking away time away from them. Because something that's really good for any football team or any basketball team, any team, is believe it or not, is a guy that knows how to be a husband and knows how to be a father figure. Right, it's, it goes more than football. Right. Yeah, the players see that. It's an influence on them. You don't think it's an influ- it wasn't an influence on the on the players all those years watching Joe and Sue Paterno? I mean, and by the way, this would have been Joe's 91st birthday today. And you don't think it's an influence to see James Franklin, Fumi, and the two girls, Addie and, uh, and Shola? I mean, believe me, that's an influence. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, this day in sports history and then... Ryan Snyder from Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated. All right. 1891, the first game of basketball based on rules created by James Smith, played by 18 students this day in Springfield, Massachusetts. That's why the Basketball Hall of Fame is there. 1941, Bears win the NFL championship. The Chicago Bears. Winning the NFL championship on the state in 1941. Uh, let's see. Also uh, on this date, uh, the Bears' Ray McLean makes the last NFL drop kick for an extra point for 61 years. The next time it happened was Doug Flutie when he did it for the New England Patriots. Also on this date, 1973, the third Fiesta Bowl was played as Arizona State beat Pitt 28-7. 1983, NCAA rules rescinded last two minutes of the men's basketball free throw rule. 
if you fouled, you could you get free throws instead of the ball out of bounds. They changed that in this date. And in 1995, the San Francisco Giants announced plans to build a new stadium to open in 2000. That turned out to be AT&T Ballpark, which is a beautiful ballpark right there by the bay, right there by McCovey Cove, which is not as big as it looks on TV, but it's still really cool. So there you go. That is this day in sports history. And with that now... Yesterday, the early signing period. And today, in fact, it goes till tomorrow, the early signing period, believe it or not. And with that, we bring in Ryan Snyder from Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated. Ryan, welcome. It is always great to have you with us on the show. Always love seeing you, Steve. And first off, it may be December 21st, but as you guys know, Franklin does not stop recruiting. He just handed out another offer last night, so... Had to uh, had to had to get that out of the way. I appreciate it, guys. Sorry for being fifteen minutes late. No, it's you have to talk to coaches, and that's that's the important part. And again, you're right. Re- recruiting does not end. In fact, the the early signing period doesn't even end until tomorrow. Uh, Correct. Uh, so, do you need more of a sample size, Ryan, uh, than yesterday to get a good good or a negative feeling about whether an early signing period is right, or do you want need more time to to decide? Well, I mean, I have my feelings towards it, and um, I'll say this. I think we need another year or two to really work out the kinks and see, is December going to be the month that sticks for yeah. the early signing period? The early signing period is here to stay. That is that's not up for debate, I don't believe. But is it going to be December long term? Personally, I, I think it's going to get bumped up. Um, a lot of people have mentioned August, you know, right before senior season starts. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, it's just you know, if they do do that, uh, it's going to, I think, require some sort of an out if, if head coaches are let go. And, you know, that's, that's for people to decide over the next year or two. You know, the, the thing that really stands out to me about December that, that I think is going to become an issue is yesterday we saw basically about 70% uh, of, of the top, you know, 500, 600. I mean, more than that, actually, top 1,000 or so prospects time. And that, that's going to, that's good for, for big time schools like Penn State and whatnot. But, for the guys that didn't sign, uh, the Rasheed Walkers of the world that Penn State's still going after and, you know, some other guys, they're about to have so many schools after them for the next couple of weeks. And James Franklin hit it in this in his, in his interview yesterday, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense. It's going to be unlike anything we've really ever seen before, uh, you know, when it comes to the final couple of weeks of this process. So I think that's where we're going to see some issues. I think as time goes on, you're going to just see guys, hey, look, I don't want to deal with this. You know, I don't want to deal with 20 coaches coming to my school every three days. Uh, let's just sign and get it over with in December. And eventually, as, as we progress, I think that's going to kind of make February obsolete. So, you know, that's why I really do believe that the, the August signing period, which is which I know was discussed, but, right. you know, they, they were just not quite ready to make that move with it being such a big jump. Uh, jump. Uh, I think that's where you're going to see – uh, with time, just because again, everybody's they're not going to want to deal with these next couple of weeks. It's going to be really hectic for some of the star players. And so, with time, I think you're going to just see a lot of guys just end it in December. Yeah, because college basketball does their early signing period and have for a couple of decades right before the season begins. It's the same mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
All right, so Ryan, you you watched how this played out. You knew how almost all of it was going to play out. Do you feel how many? Do you feel like they checked almost every box at Penn State? Yeah, for the most part, uh, you can't really. Uh, you know, a lot of people mention linebacker as maybe a position, but you know, they, if, if you don't even include Parsons, who you know, uh, Franklin said yesterday will start a bit of linebacker. You know, they still signed three really good, solid linebackers in this class. So, you know, I think people. <laughs> We've talked about this before. You know, Penn State basically plays a four-two-five now. They'd rather stock up on, you know, uh, solid safeties that can become linebackers, you know, rather than true middle linebackers that are stuck at one position. So, uh, you, you know, when you look across the board, though, solid O, o line. Uh, you know, they got all the skill position they need. I mean, their wide receiver class is excellent. Uh, maybe arguably the best in the nation. Right. Uh, you know, everything is good on defense. Just just want to get a defensive end in there, and that's that's where Jason Oway comes in and. You know, if they can add a an O lineman like Rasheed Walker, that'd be great as well. And you know, possibly Solomon Enos, the wide receiver out of Arizona. But uh, you know, when it, when you look at the the caliber of prospects they brought in and and spread throughout the you know each position, I, I don't think there's anything fans can grab out. That's for sure. Is it safe to say that the three players uh, you just talked about are three that will be uh, February signees? Nobody between now and uh, and midnight tomorrow. You know, actually, uh, Rasheed Walker is pretty much the only one that's looking like a, a February lock. Uh, Jason Oway, he's committing at the Under Armour All-American game. And, um, you know, long story short, that's January 4th, which is only a week or two away. And th- there's been a lot of talk that he may sign, um, you know, with basically either Ohio State or Penn State. And, uh, you know, just kind of keep it quiet and publicly announce then at the, at, the, at the UA game. So there is a chance that happens. Um, even if it does, I really don't think uh, that's going to get out there. Uh, Jason doesn't want it out there, and, and whoever he signs with has no reason to uh, blow it up and, 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 you know, upset him and his family, which I totally understand. So, uh, you know, I, I think, long story short, I, I think there's a good chance he does sign today or tomorrow. Um, maybe he will hold off, but, but we'll see. Uh, with Solomon Enos and the wide receiver out of Arizona, who is uh, Curtis Enos' son, he has an open invite right now to, to sign if he wants. Uh, I think he's pretty much, from what I've gathered, USC and, and, and Penn State seem like the top schools, and uh, I, I believe he's just still kind of undecided. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he, he could still sign today or tomorrow. Uh, and, and in James's press conference yesterday, he did hint that there could be another uh, you know, more movement, I, I believe is what he said, uh, you know, before this signing period closed. So we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, I, I feel like he's going to maybe lean towards straight, but. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it does end here in the next day or two. So we will see. Uh, but, but yeah, Walker, the, the O-lineman, he feels like the only one that's definitely going to hold off and, and wait till February. How relieved were the families and the players themselves, the ones that you talked to, that now that part of the process is over? Yeah, it's always a big deal to, to finally have this end. And, uh, you know, it's nice to, to get it out of the way now. And, you know, it's only a couple weeks, uh, you know, till, till the normal signing period. But, uh you know, December and January is extremely busy. Uh, anybody that, that follows the recruiting sites know. I mean, we, we track all the coaches' visits. And, uh, they've been on the road nonstop. You know, hitting up three, four, five prospects a day, then then doing in-home visits with their committed players and and top remaining 2018 guys. So, you know, to to get that out of the way, to to not have coaches pulling them out of class, uh, you know, once, twice, three times a week, and and then you know hosting the coaches you know once a week uh you know assistant coaches can can visit once a week for in-homes and james franklin can do it then once uh once an open period so uh but for the most part you know they were they were hosting these coaches uh at least once a week over the last couple of weeks and you know don't get me wrong they, they enjoy that but uh you know it just becomes a lot you know especially when you have uh 
midterm finals coming up, and uh, you know it is the Christmas season. A lot of guys are starting basketball, so you know it's just when you're firmly committed, it, it, they never really treat it that way because other coaches will still come in and try and uh, you know get that last push, and you know at the same time Penn State has to do what they have to do and making sure they they continue to visit. So it's great to get it out of the way, and uh, you know a lot of these guys have been committed for so long now they they knew where they wanted to be, so it's. It's great to just sign it and, and get it over with. So now finishing up this, you and I both know that already the pedal has been hit pretty hard on 19 and even into 20. So let's get the advance on that. I mean, so, you know, because, I mean, that's one thing you probably sat back and shook your head and said, okay, I just finished this now. I've got to think about 19 and 20. But it's, that's been an ongoing process. Yeah, we've been looking at 19 for a year now, <laughs> like yeah. 20. 2020, man, there's there's a lot of uh, solid prospects. I mean, Penn State actually just extended its first 2021 offer uh, about a week ago to, to Derek Davis, athlete out of Gateway. Uh, look, 2019, Penn State is in an excellent spot, and, and there's a few reasons for that. Now, one thing I will say is Penn, Pennsylvania as a state is a little bit down, but uh, New Jersey, Maryland, Ohio, regional states are fine. Uh, but Penn State has really maximized the opportunities that they've been given because of the fact that they have so many 2018 players committed for months now. You know, a lot of the you know, schools that they compete against are, are still putting 90, 95% of their time into finishing up 2018. Uh, don't get me wrong, Penn State's been very, uh, doing everything that they, they need to do, uh, you know, to, to wrap up their guys. But, you know, that they've also been able to stop at uh, a few 2019 high schools along the way and, and, you know, able to divert more of their time to, you know, building relationships with those guys. So, you know, locking guys up early in 2018 uh, is good for the 2018 class, but it really helps get a leg up then on 2019 and beyond. And that's and that's a pattern we that's not really just new to this year. You know, Franklin and, and his staff have done a really good job at getting you know half their class or two thirds of their class uh, done. You know, by I don't know September. You know, usually around when the season starts. So you know, this is a pattern that we've seen now for a few years, and it's really helped them. Then you know get a get a good jump start on, on the, the rest of their competition and you know as long as you stay in that pattern you're you're pretty much guaranteed to at least in the northeast to be you know one of uh, one of the top dogs when you take a job on January 17 2014 you play from behind i mean that cuz you know, you've developed your uh, your connections, whether through Maryland or Vanderbilt, but not through Pennsylvania and Ohio and so forth, which is part of the natural recruiting area here. So they thought it would take a little bit to build relationships. What does it tell you that they've been able to turn it this quickly, not just on the field, but also with the depth of relationships they now have when it comes to recruiting? It, it just speaks to how how well um organized the staff is. I think that's really important. But also their youth uh, in this staff, uh, they're, they're really able to connect. And, you know, even when you don't have the, the you know, a strong relationship, you know, when they were at Vanderbilt, obviously, Tennessee and some of the southern states, Georgia, you know, they had better relationships there. Uh, but they really know how to mesh with, with today's youth. And, and not only that, but they're you know, they're, they're young enough to, to relate with teenagers, but smart enough, mature enough, and I mean, I don't, I don't think we have to say that they're not mature enough, but, you know, they know how to really, um, you know, build trust with family members, and that's what we saw right off the bat, is, is they really connect with these guys. So, you know, yeah, it may take time to, to get their foot in the door with, you know, a few, uh, you know, regional powerhouses or whatnot, but all you really have to do is build family trust, build trust with the prospects, 
and, and the school sells itself. I mean, let's be honest about that. It is one of the big, big time schools in the region. So, I mean, that's what really stood out to me, uh, you know, when that was all taking place. And, and now, you know, I mean, you name a school in PA or New Jersey or Maryland or even, uh, they are, they are fully entrenched, uh, and, and have built excellent relationships with, you know, all the top programs really in the region. It's, it's never going to be perfect, but, uh, how impressive have you been with their ability to put together recruiting classes that give them some semblance of positional balance? Yeah. I mean, as Franklin says every year, what they, they want to basically take everybody, uh, or, you know, each position basically every year and, and you're going because you're going to have transfers you're, you're going to have guys mm-hmm. that don't work out so you know being able to consistently do that which we've seen now for at least three classes now is, is building a depth chart that uh you know is one of the most talented and, and deepest that we've seen at penn state in a long time i mean that's that's been a key of theirs from day one uh, especially in the o-line and d-line and at the defensive back those are the three positions that you know i get a lot of people saying you know well you know, we're pretty deep here you know do we still want to take two, three guys, well, you know, in the depth chart, it may look a bit deep, but we're not at practice every day. You know, we don't know what the coaches are seeing, you know, from the development of their, their freshmen and sophomores. So right. consistently doing that, you know, it, it, it basically, and I'm not going to say it assures them that, you know, that they'll be, you know, consistent and fine in these positions, but uh, it gives them a lot better chance to, to not have a miss or two, you know, in a given year. Ryan, thanks so much. Appreciate it to uh, your wife. Uh, and uh, it's going to be, what, a few weeks before you have a little one in your family. Hope you have a great holiday and you get a chance to kick back and enjoy it. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you, guys. Take care, Tom. Ryan Snyder, Rivals.com and Blue White Illustrated. Next half hour, Dave Pash from ESPN. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us, Dave Patch, next half hour. Dave, the play by play voice of the Arizona Cardinals. College football on ESPN with Greg McElroy, Tom Luganville. In uh, nine days, Dave will be calling the Fiesta Bowl. And he also does Pac-12 basketball with Bill Walton. Thus, he has heard a lot about the Grateful Dead. He has heard a lot about evolution. He has also heard a lot of words such as, it's Dave, right? (laughs) He's heard a lot of everything. He's her. You name it. You name it. He is. I mean, look. It's Dave, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he and Dave Pash, who's a great. He's a great announcer, anyway. Right? Has the perfect personality for it. Now I'll ask him a lot about the game. I'll ask him a lot about college football. But I am going to ask him about working with Bill Walton. Not as if it's a task. I'll bet any amount that Dave's going to say how much he enjoys it and how great it is. I'm sure he will. But in an era where you don't have many must-see analysts, see, I feel really fortunate. I feel like I work with two must-listen-to analysts. I mean, Jack Cam is a guy, if you listen to it, you learn so much about the game. Dick Girardi, and Dick will be on the show next week, you learn so much from him on basketball all the time. Must listen to analysts. You don't have a lot of must listen to analysts on TV. Kirk Herbstreit is definitely one. I think Greg McElroy is getting really good. Todd Blackledge obviously is another one. I think Gary Danielson is. College basketball, Jay Billis without question. 
Uh, and then after that, Bill Radford, I think, is really, really good. And then there's Walton. Well, I'll watch the Pac-12 games, and Dick and I say this all the time. What's he going to say next? It's like Charles Barkley on TNT or in the NCAA tournament. What will Chuck say next? And TV, which makes a lot of safe choices for the most part, when you get a couple of guys that have that little wild card edge to them, you get people watching. You do. And sometimes Bill yeah. Wallen doesn't even dress anymore. Like, I, I remember the one broadcast he did, he was wearing a tie-dye T-shirt. And I'm like... Yes. I, I, oh, I know. Oh, I know. I don't know how I, people do the, it. Well, I see, again, Dave is the perfect personality for it. That's true. And, I, and, he, and I'm telling you, dollars to donuts, Matt, when I ask him about it, he's going to tell me and tell the audience how, much, how enjoyable it is. And I'm now sure part of it is, a part of it is, see, Dave's even keeled. I mean, as an announcer, he knows when to bring the level and so forth. But I'm talking about, you can just tell personality-wise, he's even keeled. He's smart. And you have to have that sort of contrast. One thing that made, uh, an area that made Pat Summerall and John Madden great was that Madden would go out there and he'd go bang and boom, whatever. And, and you learned you learned a lot of football from Madden, okay? You know, but people remember the bang and the boom and the smash, right? right? And then there was Pat Summerall, right? Jurgensen, McNeil, touchdown. Yeah. He'd say just enough. And it was a perfect balance with John Madden. And you and you could tell John Madden thought the world of Pat Summerall. Thought the world of him. Because Pat gave him all the room to operate. Dave Pash gives Bill Walton all the room to operate. All right, Dave Pash, next half hour picks final half hour. Matt says he's going to bury all of us. So so <laughs> far the, like that, I guess. So I don't far know. the so far the suit is six and two on bowl picks. Doing the victory dance in the back office. Hey, I give him credit for picking those games. I wasn't even sure who was playing. <laughs> I'm right exa- I'm exactly there with you. I would know literally nothing about any of those teams. I know something about them. I just haven't picked them right. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pe- I might be 0-8. I have no idea. Uh, all right. Dave Pash, next half hour. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.